In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Welcome to the True Life Podcast. I hope your day is going beautiful. I hope the sun's shining, or maybe you got a little bit of a silver lining out there. Hope the birds are singing. Hope the kids are healthy. Let's go ahead and jump right in today and talk about what the heck is going on. You know, I got something interesting I wanted to ask you guys. You know, in the midst of all this COVID craziness and pandemics and flus and such a large population of our older generation getting older and and some of them passing on. I think that the world of medicine is fascinating. Let's put aside um, just for a moment our ideas about what's in this vaccine and if it's dangerous, if it's killing people and and how much money is being made between the FDA and all the vaccine people. My question to you is what do you think is possible for modern medicine in the next, I don't know, 10 or 20 years. It seems almost limitless to me, at least in my mind. Perhaps that's because I read so much science fiction. That being said, what if we can find ways to extend life additional an additional 50 years? You know, there have been some pretty big tech uh, billionaires that have invested in longevity and biohacking and creating a better life for those who live longer. There was a recent article a while back about Peter Thiel, who I believe he invested quite a bit of money in a company called Ambrosia. Ambrosia. I know what you're thinking. George, what does Ambrosia do? What is this Peter Thiel billionaire trying to invest in? Well, the idea for his company, or the company that he invested in, was to take blood from children and then inject it into older people in their 70s or 80s or even 60s, and it would extend their life. You may may think to yourself, wow, George, that sounds like a vampire. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, huh? It's kind of interesting that we have words for 
demons or figures or mythological figures. We have words for people that describe this same process. It's even more strange to think about that people in the royal family claim they have a direct line to Dracula. And those same people have all kinds of weird rumors about them and kids. What the hell's going on there? Well, according to a few studies, there, there was a study done. I should really get the name on this, but I don't have my literature in front of me. So I'm just kind of coming off the top of my head. There's been multiple studies done where they have taken young mice, maybe equivalent to a year old or two years old, and they transfused the blood of the young mice this little child mouse that's running around all happy and playing, and they give it to an older mouse who's, you know, close to being on his deathbed that doesn't move around, that just sits in the corner. And when they transfuse the blood, it's the darndest thing because the old mouse becomes light, lively and, and happy and running around, and the young mouse becomes withdrawn and stays in the corner. So there's some evidence to support the millions of dollars that Peter Thiel had invested in that company. I think as of recently, he was soliciting um, you know, teenagers to come and give blood the same way you would go to a blood bank and give blood to donate blood. It's, it's kind of interesting to think about. Another front that I see where longevity, longevity and biohacking are really making way is in Alzheimer's drugs. You know, they... There's some pretty interesting stats that talk about Alzheimer's being not only the silent killer because it slowly strips away the person you know and love and it makes them withdraw into somewhat of a shell. It's pretty sad. And because there is such an older generation that is rapidly reaching the age where they're susceptible to Alzheimer's, the medical industry is, is really searching for cures and searching for ways to at least off-put the symptoms of Alzheimer's. And they've come up with lots of different types of drugs that have been experimented on. And You know, there are some interesting sites. There's a site called sciencebio.com, and it's what you call a research chemical site. And you as an individual can go on there, and there's all these research chemicals. Now, you as a researcher should not be taking these chemicals from this site but you could buy them and you can study them you know you give them to your uh, pet rat or whatever I guess that there's some people that actually take them and they write reports you can, you can go on reddit you can go on um, just different forums and you can see that people take these drugs and then they write their own logs of how they feel and they do different tests and there's some pretty fascinating results. There's a small molecule drug called dihexa, and um, people have written up quite a bit about it. It seems to do a lot of neurogenitive repair for those who have been impaired, if that makes kind of sense. There are chemicals like J147, Hydra 21. There's just this radical suite of different types of, I think they call them nootropics. And they do lots of different things. Some of them help to increase volume in the hippocampus. Some of them 
help to facilitate learning or memory or other types of cognition. And that's kind of what got me thinking. These are just the ones that I know of. And then if you just take a moment to look at people like Henry Kissinger, this guy's like 100 years old. He's always out and about. He's not always out and about, but quite often he's out and about. Look at David Rockefeller. That guy lived to be like 103. Of course, he had multiple heart transplants. It's just, it's fascinating to me to see modern medicine frantically trying to find ways to extend life to some of the wealthiest people. And it makes me wonder, like, how do they come up with these strategies? How do they find ways to increase the lifespan of people? Well, I think it makes all of us understand that if they want to find drugs to help the wealthiest people among us live longer, then they have to probably experiment on the least among us to see what works and what doesn't work. It's kind of a dark area. I read an article a while back that said uh, if you walk through the Dubai airport or somewhere in the Middle East, you know, you can see much like in our, uh, much like in our airports, there are posters up for different kinds of treatments or different kinds of services. There's all kinds of advertising. In some of these airports, be it Dubai or somewhere in the Middle East, you can see posters or advertisements for medical tourism. So if you were to need a kidney, if you were to need a lung, or if you were to need you know, some sort of organ, you can go to China or you can go to other places and, and find these things. Well, here in America, we have a, uh, we have like a wait list or a, a donor list. And you know, that's why they, they automatically now, when you go to get your license, they just decide that you're a donor unless you say otherwise. But in other countries where you can go for medical tourism, I think it gets a little bit darker. Uh, the article I was reading said that they have kosher patients. Just think about how dark that is. Like, I mean, I don't need to go in too in-depth in there, but you know, the world we live in is, for each of us, a small individual bubble. And it's so immense, the other bubbles that are out there. The world we live in is full of magic and beauty and horror and ideas. And it just goes to show you, in my opinion, that when we talk about good and evil, when we talk about opposites, I think what instead of using the word opposites, I think we should just use extremes. Like think of a magnet. On one side you have the North Pole, and on one side you have the South Pole. But it's still a magnet. And even if you were to cut that magnet in the middle, then you'd have two South Poles and two North Poles. So I really don't like to think of it as opposites. I just like to think of it as extremes of the same. Because a lot of times it's the same energy just going the other direction. You know what I mean by that? Like you have somebody that's just super happy and they're all excited all the time and they're all positive. And then you have somebody that is all negative all the time. It's kind of the same energy. It's just going the opposite direction. Does that kind of make sense? So when you see somebody out there that you're the poles apart from, that you think you're the opposite from, you may have a lot more in common with that person than you actually think. 
In fact, don't they say that opposites attract? Maybe because you're poles apart. Maybe opposites attract because you are the same energy at the opposite extreme. Even though I just said, I don't like to say opposites. I just did right there, didn't I? (laughs) Well, I think there's something to be thought about there. What do you think the potential for vaccines in the future could be? Do you think it's possible that we could create a some sort of a synthetic vaccine that would allow you to never get sick? There's some interesting articles I've read about Navy SEALs taking platelets. And these were super oxygenated platelets where they could inject the Navy SEAL or they could re- inject the recipient with these, you know, Uh, platelets that are dense and rich with oxygen and then that individual could swim underwater for 10 minutes without breathing there's plenty of experiments going on that we are definitely not aware of if you could take an injection and swim underwater for 10 minutes without breathing would you do it in the article they said that the biggest problem was people forgot they didn't need to breathe so they would open their mouth and start choking That kind of blew my mind a little bit. That's something we take for granted. Like if you knew you were underwater and you knew you didn't have to breathe, it's instincts alone that would cause you to draw in a breath and that could cause you to drown. I think that there are quite a bit of incredible milestones in medicine. However, on the opposite extreme, it's important to note that those breakthroughs don't come for free. These breakthroughs in medical science have a cost. And that's where we start getting onto that slippery slope of experimentation. There was quite a bit of research done in World War II on live people. And we learned a lot. I'm not condoning it. I don't think it's the right thing to do. However, the research that was gained there was invaluable. What about right now? Lord knows what kind of information is being getting right now. If you think about science and medicine, and if we just take some of the soft sciences, like let's say we look at today's pandemic, today's outbreak of COVID on a psychological level, what information can we have gathered that could be beneficial in the long run? Well, we have learned that we can take away the rights of people up to a certain point until they start pushing back. We have learned that our rhetoric or our propaganda can get 70% of the people in X country vaccinated. We've learned that our rhetoric targeted towards this specific race of people works better than this race of people. We have learned that, you know, People who live in this community who have this kind of diet tend to have a particular type of reaction to this vaccine. The fact that we don't even know what's in these different vaccines, it's, it's kind of a uh, dream come true for people who like to experiment on other people. It's like we're all living on Dr. Monroe's Island and we're all like the dog people. Not to say that experiments aren't happening every day. I mean, every day you go outside, every day you pay your taxes, 
every day you interact with people out there, all your information you're putting online, this is all going into some giant database where you are being quantified and looked at as a small molecule or as what how your behavior can be affected. There was another interesting article. They talked about the trust engineers. This was a while back on a, on a I forgot the name of the podcast. However, they were talking about Facebook and Facebook decided they would pull a group of people and just feed them negative news all the time. Negative, negative, negative. Negative, negative, negative. Negative, negative, negative. And those people ended up coming, becoming really depressed. I don't know if any of them killed themselves. Um, they did something similar where they, they pumped positive information. And then they tried to make people angry. There was a recent one, too, where they Facebook created like 100,000 memes about white supremacists or racism just to see what the effect would be on people. And if we know from prior experiments that they can psychologically manipulate the populace like they have to know that too right like the engineers at Facebook know or at least have a hypothesis of what this psychological operation is going to do and they do it anyway you know that's that's because Facebook is in fact a defense contractor and they are running psychological campaigns the internet is a giant psychological campaign that's why it's so important for you on all levels we've talked about today to take care of your body, to take care of your health. And part of that means your mental health. Part of that means not listening to the rhetoric. Part of that means turning the TV off or not being around toxic people. I found the best way, at least for me through COVID, is to try to turn it all into like a blessing. Like it's such a blessing that we get to work from home now. It's so much better with traffic. It's so much better to be able to see people who are so scared because these are the people that need the most help. And for those of us who, who aren't scared, for those of us who believe that the psychological campaign on everyone is out of control, it's up to us to spread some positivity. It's up to us to help bring everyone together. The people that are the most afraid are the people that have recently had brushes with death or know people that are about to die or themselves are afraid to die. These are the people that are usually the, the most frantic, the most neurotic, the most difficult people to be around. And if you know that, if you can understand that these people are the most afraid, then you can kind of help to heal them. You can find ways to... A lot of the times when you see somebody that's just acting out of control, all it takes is just a little bit of quiet contemplation to look at them and be like, oh, I see what's happening here. This person's lonely. This person doesn't want to be in reality. Or It usually comes... I, I think a lot of it comes down to loneliness. That seems to be a bigger plague than COVID. You know, in a world where we're so connected, in a world where you can look at your screen and potentially have a thousand friends on a, on a Twitch page or a YouTube channel, but none of, those, none of that's real. 
right? There's no felt presence of the other. And when there's no felt presence, there's no connection. And when there's no connection, there's no understanding. And without understanding, we're all alone. We've got no one to understand. And that feels like there's no one there to care. It's a big problem. It's going to continue for a while until we decide to change it and make it better. I think you got to start in the schools. I think we need to move away from this whole distance learning. I believe it's, a, it's going to be a big failure and it's creating an epidemic of loneliness. It's creating a less informed and a less compassionate populace. I think people need to be together. Because at the end of the day, while we are individuals, we're all part of the whole. We need each other in order to understand who we are. Right? In a way, that's what an argument's all about, right? The, the purpose of an argument is not to get mad. The purpose of an argument is to solve a problem. And if you're surrounded by people that think the same way you do, you can't even understand your problems. You can't even understand what you're missing because you can't see it. It's like my grandpa used to say, if everybody's always happy, if no one's arguing, then someone's bullshitting. Because we're, that's what we're made to do. I see things different than you. You see things different than me. However, if we can sit down together and talk about it, we can probably come to a shared illusion of what is possible or a shared plan of how to solve a problem. And it usually ends up better. Sometimes you've got to compromise. However, that's part of life, right? Not everybody wins. Well, that's what I got for today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope your day continues to be as awesome as the last one. I hope it becomes better than the last one. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. Let's get up. Get at them. Aloha.
Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.